All righty, welcome back. Happy Tuesday, or I guess whenever you're listening to it, you don't have to the day of, but it is what it is. Uh, so today is the 28th of September. Yeah, I always get confused with the time traveling because we do these day earlier. So yeah, 28th of September, and we got a lot going on. We're gonna do crypto world because I always think that stuff is interesting, and I know Joey went down the rabbit hole recently. A little bit of tech stuff, uh, money world, commodities and what the heck that, that stuff means to you and then i got something from the real estate world that i want to talk about so we'll dive in but before we do i wanted to do i wanted to touch on something real quick because i was listening to the animal spirits podcast which you should totally give a listen to if you haven't ben and michael are awesome they do a great job they're financial advisors and really know what they're talking about so they said something interesting this morning they said everyone's so hyped up on the crypto and nft world and everyone's so convinced that it's the third world countries that's going to change and it's the little guys that it's going to fix and blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, what people aren't realizing is that if the rich people don't adopt it and if they don't want anything to do with it, it's going to flop. And I said, that's an interesting point of view. And Joe, I think you're going to agree with me here because we've been fighting through trying to figure this stuff out. It's unbelievable. It's like you have to you have to now grasp and understand the difference between an exchange, a wallet how they interact, uh, where you need to go, which website's the least sketchy. And I, it's just, it's a lot for someone to handle. And I have no idea if it's, if it's too much for us in our twenties to handle, imagine someone in their fifties trying to grasp all of it, who've gone their entire life understanding how money works in certain ways and now having to completely upend that. Yeah, it is the wild west right now. Let me tell you. Yep. Um, I went down the rabbit hole all weekend. Uh, I know John was right there with me, um, <laughs> looking at different websites, different releases, uh, different, and it's it's all groups of people. It appears to be that are releasing these NFTs, anywhere from one person to three people to six people, and um, a lot of the times I see they release them around. I don't know, ten thousand and one limited time uh burning all others that don't sell after minting is done and minting is what it's called whenever you it's, it's like commissioning a work of art mm-hmm. you're going to pay the money and then the nft that you pay for will be minted and then i've noticed you either get to see your nft as, as soon as everything's sold out or 24 hours after minting uh has begun yeah so whichever happens first is most of the time but um, it it is a crazy world because you have any anyone and everyone selling them. A yep. uh, good rule of thumb I've started to live by is if they can't create a website using at least first grade grammar, <laughs> then I would not purchase in, an NFT from them and give them four hundred dollars. It's so funny so. you mentioned that. I, I said the same thing because I checked out one or two uh, this weekend, and you know there's like the really big ones, like the Board Ape Yacht Club, and all those that you see all over Twitter and the internet. But then there's a few you're like, oh man, this sounds awesome. And you go on the website and there's like very, very basic sentence structure errors. And you're like, what? Who? Like, how old is the kid that wrote this? <laughs> Unbelievable. It's funny yeah, though. It's either, yep. it's either some, I don't know, first grader throwing it together. And uh, then, you know, I'm sorry for critiquing his grammar. Or it's, I don't know, some black market sketchy website from someone who's sitting in a basement in Russia and is about to take my life savings. And how funny is it that they understand the very basic business principle of scarcity and market timing, which I think is genius because you know, the whole, you can only get these for two days and then they're gonna, we're gonna burn the rest, that whole thing that you touched on. They understand that business principle, but they have literally no idea how to put a sentence together on a website, which they in fact probably designed the website. So like our, our education is so backwards at this point that we can do really complicated things and then just cannot handle the simple things. It's really funny. 
And I'm sure somebody predicted oh, yeah. this a while ago. <laughs> and that's what, um, I don't know where we want to start with in the crypto world, but a we'll lot China of these first, definitely. websites I'm starting to see too, though. I mean, a, a good amount of them are foreign groups of people. There was one I was looking into today that almost got me to pull the trigger if it wasn't <laughs> for the crazy gas prices. And we'll get into what gas prices are shortly here. Oh, yeah. But, um, and it's a group of guys from France and they've actually been on uh, like France's news networks uh, advertising it. And they're a big deal in France, but we just haven't heard about them here. And for some reason in America, these really cool innovations like NFTs are just not being talked about in our mainstream media like they are in some of these other countries. Oh, I can tell you exactly why that is. The central banks have no interest in letting you get a hold of this stuff. They lose all their power when they do. We'll go into that. I, I Quick aside, I don't want to interrupt your thought. Quick aside, somebody in my office said, oh my God, did you see this picture of so-and-so sold for like a $1.2 million? And I said, well, yeah, but what you have to understand is that that's not one person putting up $1.2 million. That's somebody started a Reddit stream, got 300 guys and gals together and said, look, if we all put in $20,000, we can do this and we can all buy this and sell it for you know a 5% return, 5% return on 1.2 million is a whole lot of money. I'm not gonna do the math off the top of my head because I'm brain dead. But point being, it's not one person, it's the internet of things coming together and uniting to make these purchases and do these things. That doesn't exactly say where it's going to end, but it's the common misconception is that it's single people. It's definitely not. It's like the whole of Reddit. <laughs> yeah, and just building off that real quick, I don't wanna to go too far down a rabbit hole off our topics, but mm -hmm. uh, a more interesting story I heard recently, uh, if you don't know them, two famous YouTubers, uh, Mr. Beast and Jake Paul, Big YouTubers. Uh, well, I guess Jake Paul's not really a YouTuber anymore, but he's a boxer now, but that's neither here nor there. Yep. They were telling a story about how they first heard of CryptoPunks, which we've talked about a few times on the show before. It's one of the uh, more well-established NFTs right now. And uh, and Mr. Beast was saying he got in on it because there was one day Gary V, another very famous uh, entrepreneur, you might know him out there. Uh, he's very rash and loud and likes to swear, <laughs> but he's successful. Yep. Um, he called Mr. Beast and said, hey, get on this call. I got 60 people on right now. I need you on it. Mr. Beast jumps on the call. Logan Paul's on there. Jake Paul's on there. All these 20 and 30-year-olds who have millions of dollars and nothing to do with it. And Gary V is just going insane. The character that he is, you need to buy CryptoPunks right now. You need to get on there. It's going to be the next big thing, I'm telling you. So what does Mr. Beast do? He goes and buys 10 of them. Yep. He's nine. He said he almost can count uh, two full hands. So I think he has nine of them. And then Logan Paul got him and Jake Paul has him. And now all these, these YouTubers and influencers and everyone that's in Gary V's network just bought them all up together. That's a ton of market manipulation. Like, and so you can see why the SEC has no interest in it. And that I'm glad you said all that because that perfectly leads us into the first thing, like the first actual topic that we want to do here, which is that I think it was on Friday the announcement came out. Uh, the Communist Party of China basically completely outlawed all cryptocurrency transactions in their market. There's a couple weird points about this because the first one is that they've always been accused throughout the whole process of, cre of creating all the big pollution that comes from the mining of the cryptocurrency. You have to sign up, like, you have to set up like all these massive farms of computers and servers just to hopefully you know, solve the problems and mine whatever it is. It's a really deep, complex topic, and I don't know, but I'm surprised that they're the first ones to ban it, but at the same time, I'm not surprised because they just, they're absolute control freaks and have to control everything. Yeah, if the government can't control it, um, then China's not interested. Right, and that's the whole point of DeFi, <laughs> decentralized finance, is literally give the control back to the people, which is, it's, it's, it's just so ironic. Um, man, yeah, so they said, 
all the big banks in China, they're working towards like closing their accounts in December, by December is what they said. So I, I guess that gives people enough time to pull their, pull their stuff out. I, but they're like, they're international companies. And most of the companies that run this kind of thing are based in Europe. So I don't really know how they track it. I, either way, I think it's a total bonehead move. I, it's really stupid of them to do this. I, I mean, all that's going to happen is that now that it is banned is more people are going to want to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, it's really going to hinder their progress. Who knows how long the ban will stick. Yeah. Uh, if this continues to grow and it propels the American economy, and uh, obviously it has no ties to the economy currently because it's decentralized finance, but in the long game, somehow, some way, it's going to end up affecting everything in the end if it continues to grow at the rate it is and uh, more and more people get involved and invest their money in it. So uh, in the end, it is going to affect economies i would imagine considering some governments too like we've talked about are, are already adopting this instead of their national currency oh we're gonna but, go into it <laughs> yeah but i mean I'm, I'm really not too surprised china was the first to do this and i wouldn't be surprised if uh if countries like russia and That's other strong central federal government focused countries like this mm -hmm. uh begin to take these steps as well yeah the south americans will probably be next so do you mind if we go to the, the Switzerland one real quick and then we're going to do the yeah. gas prices? Yeah, Perfect. jump right to Switzerland. Let's do it. This is good because this is the opposite side of this. And I was so pumped whenever I saw this is that Switzerland announced they had like – somebody somebody sent me this tweet. It was really funny. Let me pull it up. They said, <laughs> Switzerland votes overwhelmingly for same-sex marriage and against capital taxation in the most Swiss day ever. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's funny. That is definitely very Switzerland. And then on that exact same day – so this is like the trifecta of – freedom everything for everyone which made me so happy is that they also legalized and made a decentralized um, crypto exchange or a decentralized digital stock exchange is what they're calling it they weren't using the word crypto which I think is a genius move because it's a scary word and it screams 16 year old living in a basement trying to get this thing done so what they're calling is SIX 6 digital exchange I don't know if it's pronounced SIX or 6 no idea but either way it's essentially a stock market completely dedicated to this stuff so they've fully embraced it and they've said, look, we're not even going to try to control it. We're going to endorse it and let this thing play itself out. I think it's genius because, I mean, you remember when we talked about El Salvador, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the country that uh, adopted it as their national currency. Yeah. Essentially. So, yeah. So that, that was a story about a month ago is that El Salvador, which is a very impoverished country down in South America, uh, had, had basically said, all right, we're going to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. And everyone was like shaking their head, scratching their heads, basically and looking around and be like, none of us have phones or bank accounts. Like, wait, what do we do with this? <laughs> There's nothing we could do. So that was an interesting entry into the third world country. And I think this kind of proves the animal spirits guy's point to where, look, Switzerland's a very well-established country. They have an intensely structured banking system. Like, like Swiss banks is something you hear. And it, that's true. Like it's, they, they run the banking world. They do a really good job, too. And, um, well, you know, less corrupt than most other banks. But it's neither here nor there. <laughs> so they, I think it's a really awesome move that they were able to wrap their heads around this and say, look, we want to be a part of this world, and we're going to do it the right way. So more prop, big props to them. Yeah, I love it. And it honestly doesn't really surprise me all that much either. A lot of people out there may not know this, but those countries over there, um, such as Finland, Denmark, Switzerland, uh, Norway— um, they statistically are the most free countries in the world and the happiest countries in the world. America ranks 18th on that list, and that's in Forbes as of 2021. Yeah, but we're a so lot we bigger. May, we may think, yeah, exactly. It's a lot harder to keep all those people happy. And we let uh, people from all walks of life into our country, whereas 
those countries, Finland, Denmark, Switzerland, Norway, you're not allowed to become a citizen there unless you're born there. Really? It is, I didn't know yep, that. it is almost impossible for an American to become a citizen there. They just, they don't want you. Interesting. And they, they say, we're happy how we are. You stay there. Well, they, I mean, they have, they have a lot. That's a, that's a whole different conversation that we might be able to go into another time because they obviously have incredibly high tax rates for other things. And they, they've structured their country in different ways. So I, I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole. We should, we should probably just not, we'd probably just dip the toe and then move on. Yeah, it's not apples to apples <laughs> comparison, but they are very, very free and uh, very progressive. So it's not not surprising that they're going to be the first to, to take this leap, uh, obviously not including El, Salva El Salvador and really getting involved in this space. Yeah, that'll be a fun experiment. All right, you're up for NFTs and gas prices. Yeah, so explain gas as prices we uh, first. started the show mentioning, um, we both took a deep dive into the world of NFTs and seriously um, took a long look at purchasing one this weekend. I almost pulled the trigger right before the show, actually. And uh, <laughs> I knew gas prices were a thing. And just like a quick high million feet overview of what they are, gas prices are kind of like the the taxes or the fees that you pay for someone to process uh, the transaction. It's, it's like you're paying for the gasoline that it takes to for whoever's sitting on the other end using their computer to process this transaction. Did I explain that about as clearly as I could, John? That is unfortunately about as clear as it can be. In every transaction that has to do with the decentralized finance world is that there is someone else on the other side solving the problem, lending you their processing power of their computer to get the thing done. So they do take fees and obviously if there's more volume, more transactions happening, those fees increase because people have, I mean, supply it's pure supply and demand at that point. So- yep. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, we don't have enough people right now doing this, which is why they're so high. Yeah. But just for an example, the NFT I wanted to purchase was uh, they're selling 11,000 or minting 11,000, sorry. Um, and they just went, uh, just began minting today. They'll probably be sold out within the next uh, 24 hours. I think oh, they yeah. had already minted 2,500 within the first hour. Jeez. And it was a passport to the metaverse. The, this group of French people, six of them, um, created their own country, essentially, is what they're calling it, in the metaverse. And if you have a passport, you have voting power in the country they created. Um, and they, they laid out their whole roadmap of what they want to do. Totally online, uh, electric, um, e-government, uh, very unique. And uh, each passport, I think there's six different uh, groups of people, and you just get randomly assigned one of the groups and one of the passports. Um, but it would have cost... 0.1 Ethereum to mint, which is about $400 today. Uh, $400 yeah, is 0.12 at the moment. Yep. And if you were minting, you would have had to pay the 0.1 Ethereum. So the $400 about, and then you also would have had to pay the gas prices, which were 2.15 Ethereum, bringing the total up to $6,000. Yeah. So in that unbelievable. That's gas prices. I think that's crazy. I, I just... It's insane to me that we're at a point in time <laughs> that's our biggest concern is that we literally just can't get these goofy experiments done. I think it's really funny. Um, exactly. <laughs> the metaverse scares the heck out of me. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. And it scares me because Mark Zuckerberg talks about it and he scares me in general. So yeah, I, I, I probably mentioned this like every single episode, but just seriously, Google Mark Zuckerberg metaverse. If you ever want to like ignore scary movies, go watch that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, these French guys were talking about him actually, and I didn't really understand because I've never seen the video of him discussing the metaverse. 
but uh, the French guys were actually really worried about him becoming the dictator of the metaverse. And that's why they were like, we're selling these passports. It's going to be free. Everyone's going to have voting power. We're going to beat him to it. Yep. It's so, a, well, you know, they're just going to do the Lord of, Fly, Lord of the Flies experiment and it's all going to happen all over again. <laughs> It'll be interesting. But the, the final point on NFTs before we move on that I just wanted to make is right now, if uh, you are considering getting into the NFT space, there's a lot, a lot of NFTs coming out that are pretty much just copycat. A lot of people are trying to do the whole Basie, which is um, the... Uh, B-A-Y-C, yeah. Yeah, B-A-Y-C. Board API Club. Board API Club. Popular project. Um, yeah, if you don't know about them, look it up, Google it. We won't spend too much time on it, but it's, it's essentially a picture of it, a board ape. And a lot of people are doing this. I've seen anglerfish, I've seen red pandas, I've seen wolves, I've seen lions, I've seen tigers, all within the two days I've been paying attention oh my. to <laughs> saying that they're going to the moon. Yep. And that means that they think they're gonna buy this for $250 and sell it for 1.5 million and uh, be able to retire tomorrow. Yep. And that's just not gonna happen. We need more creative NFTs and there is much more creative stuff you can do with these. Um, just don't get sucked into the uh, to the moon mindset here. The grifters will always appear. Okay, we've done way too much NFT crypto stuff. It is definitely time to move on. Yep, I think we've uh, we've really dragged our listeners into a rabbit hole with that today. Yeah, beating it to death. All right, so, well, this next one's interesting because it works for everyone. And it was a very controversial topic that came out a few months ago when Facebook, which own, Facebook owns Instagram first off and they run it. So they announced, they said, look, we want to do an Instagram platform for kids age 13 and under. And I know we both saw this and we're both like, oh, that's a bad idea. Like, why the heck did anyone think that was smart? And they obviously got a whole bunch of pullback from it immediately. And everyone was like, no, this is a terrible idea. Kids should not be on social media. Social media is so bad for you. And I totally agree with that. It is so horrible for you. And it's addictive and it, you know, body image stuff. Like it's, it's just really bad for the human psyche. We're not able to handle it. So they finally announced, they're like, all right, we're gonna put we're gonna put this on pause because so many people thought it was a horrible idea. And I was like, thank God you at least listened to someone. But I think it is worth noting that the other side of this is that, you know, in my eyes, it's kind of similar to like the guns and drugs argument. It's look, if someone wants to do something like this, they're gonna do it just because you're technically by contract, like, you know, you push that agree and continue thing whenever you get an Instagram account, just because it says, yes, I am age 13 or older, doesn't mean you can't lie. And there's really not much pullback on it. So the argument in favor for this is obviously, look, if we're going to have people on there, we want to have a little bit more control and, you know, get them educated and stuff. But either way, I, I, don't, I don't really care about that logic at this point. I'm just happy it got paused. I don't think kids should be on social media. I think it's a horrible idea. I agree. It is a it is a terrible idea. It's just bad. And uh, this immediately made me think of what I've been learning in grad school this week. And it's all about data privacy and what these corporations are using your data for and the extent at which they're stealing essentially your personal data, which I guess it isn't really stealing because you click the check mark whenever you signed up. Oh, you check man. the box. I don't know. It's still pretty it's it's defty. Defty. It's bad. Word. Yeah, it's it's really bad. And the stuff I learned uh, just through watching TED Talks and stuff this weekend for grad school is these people, here's what I found out. I watched a TED Talk from a professor at Carnegie Mellon University, mm -hmm. and he said that he did an experiment with students on campus, and he was able to take a picture of each of the students' faces. I forget how large the sample size was, but it was several thousand. Oh, no. And just using a picture of your face without a name, anything, you could attach it 
You could search, surf the web with the picture, eventually figure out the person's name and public information, then use that to find private information. And then eventually he was able to find 25% of his sample sizes, first five digits of their social security numbers within four attempts, just by using a picture of their face. That's crazy. That, well, that goes towards the argument of, God, I know we beat crypto to death already. So that goes towards the argument of like a pseudonymous society, which is pretty much, it's not that everyone is hidden, it's that everyone can see everyone and therefore there's nothing to hide. That's gonna scare a lot of people. And I don't I don't know if I'm not ready to go down that one, but I can see that's yeah. like the main solution for it. Yeah, and uh, it's funny, this professor actually discussed, he had a company in 2001 where before e-commerce was even massive, he was uh, selling a product, it was all online, you could pay him a premium and it would keep you completely anonymous when checking out. And this was before Amazon ruled the world. This was when he was still a bookstore. Wow. But like what he found out is ago. Americans say they value privacy, but no one wants to pay for it. That's true. Because it went bankrupt and had to close the company down. Yep, so. no, it's absolutely true. Well, we, we like privacy for the sake of liking privacy. We actually don't care that much because our, I mean, we've slowly but surely handed over all of our rights to the big tech companies and the social media accounts. Like we, we just we just keep, inch by inch giving it over to them and we forget about it because our lives don't really change that much. Yeah, it's uh, it's the short game versus the long, long game. You know, we don't see the effects right now, but we could one day, who knows? But um, it's funny, California actually just recently passed a bill that would really rein in um, what they're doing. I'm trying to find it right now because I just read all about it. But um, essentially, they, here it is, the California Consumer Privacy Protection Act. The bill exposes California-based businesses to additional liabilities. Um, it gives control back to users in three ways. Um, you have the right to know the information that is collected from you and where it is sold. Um, these companies have to delete and stop selling your data if they do not inform you. And it also requires them to improve their information security, which is a great thing. Um, the legislature is allowed to vote on it. I don't know if they've voted yet, but Google has committed $40 million to fighting this bill. And their whole excuse is it's going to expose them, Amazon, Facebook to additional liabilities. And they say that it provides consumers with minimal to no benefits at all, yep. which is a total lie, I think, because I, I would like to know where you're selling my data and how much you're getting for it, because I would like to sell it. Right. That's yeah, yeah, owning your own uh, owning your own data is a big argument these days. And I'm glad you said that because most people don't realize like you should be able to market and sell your like people used to get paid for doing surveys and stuff. It's the same exact thing, except it's just constant. Uh, California finally did something decent. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a pretty good bill. But I mean, if Google's thrown $40 million to fight it, uh, I'm assuming they've got some pretty good attorneys on the case. Yep. So I know Apple just released. We're going to do this real quick. We're going to take a short break and then we're going to finish off the back half of it just because of logistics reasons. But so real quick, in the recent Apple update, they now have to ask you before allowing apps into your information. Have you noticed that? Because like every time I open up a new app, I basically just immediately like, don't share, ask not to share, ask not to share. And I see no difference, but. So I haven't updated yet, so I haven't noticed yet, but uh, once I do this update, I'm sure I will yep. see what's going on there. I'd be on the lookout but, for that. So, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. And um, something else I learned, you know, yes, we are being robbed right now, but it will eventually change as we cut out the middleman. Uh, we've been moving more towards this, you know, uh, I believe it's called disintermediation, yep. uh, more of a sharing economy with things such as Uber and Airbnb, where 
Uber doesn't own any vehicles, they just connect people. Airbnb doesn't own any real estate, they just connect people. So eventually something's gonna come where they don't own any data, they're just gonna connect you to the companies that want it, and then you can sell your data. Agreed. All right, super quick break. It's gonna be a little transition thing, and then we're gonna get back into it. Okay, we're back. Sorry about that, logistical issue, but this is great because we're gonna dive into Money World, which is something that I'm always particularly interested in as a finance guy. So this is great. I think this is like a this is like a maybe like a fraud thing. Um, so the Boston Fed president, Federal Reserve president, uh, Eric Rosengren is his name. He's retiring at the end of this month. Uh, he wanted to cite a health condition. He was like, you know, I'm not feeling great, something or other. He wouldn't say exactly what it was, but it recently came out that he's been actively trading and investing while also setting monetary policy. That is shady. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. like that. Definitely can't do that. Nope, that's big old conflict of interest right there. Big old oopsie. So here's the question. Is he going to get dinged or is he going to be able to ride off into retirement uh, all happy and with his health condition? I'll bet we hear it five years from now. I'll bet as soon as Jerome Powell's gone and not protecting him, it's over. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, I love Jerome Powell. I hope he doesn't leave yet. But uh, that was just a quick one. And then I wanted to do another little thing. So the Evergrande, which is the Chinese bank that recently is on the, still on the brink of failing. It hasn't actually failed yet. <laughs> Uh, the Chinese government obviously came out and said they will not be assisting them or anything like that. And uh, so I wanted to be like, hey, look, how exactly does this happen? Because this is a buzzword recently, and I like debunking buzzwords. I think I think they're fun to kind of like take apart and be like, look, it's not as scary as you think. And everyone wanted to compare it to Lehman Brothers, and it's already been established. It's entirely different. It's not the same. And that's because they have their assets and their debt load spread out through all these massive institutions. It's not concentrated in one direct area. So real quick, the reason this stuff happens is what does Evergrande actually do? Well, they're a speculative multifamily developer. So they build apartment buildings hoping that they, and they take on a lot of debt to do this. They take loans out from capital partners, which are just people with a ton of money and investors. They take that money, they use that money to build these buildings and hope that the rents that are generated from those buildings and people moving in will pay them off in the long run. Problem is they build a whole bunch of speculative buildings, which means they didn't have people set to move into them. They just hoped in the future people would, which is kind of a sketchy way to do things. They'd hope people would move in. Nobody moved in. There's no rent generation happening. That debt needs to be paid somehow. They had to take on new debt to pay the old debt. What a mess. Like, but that's exactly what happens. It was just greed, pure greed. Yep, man. China government's on a roll recently. Yeah. Uh, no crypto, not bailing out <laughs> banks. Um, I'm okay with can't that. Can't really part. blame them though. <laughs> okay the, the bank kind of got themselves into this. You yeah, know, uh, one thing I've learned in my year and a half of sales wisdom is hope is not a strategy. No, it and, isn't. Uh, nope. Well, <laughs> they learned that the hard way. Gosh, yeah, no. So I think that's going to be very prevalent soon. I know over in the states, we're definitely doing a lot of speculative development on the industrial side. Warehouses are popping up everywhere. Amazon is throwing everything they can into it, and we don't really know what we're doing with office buildings. We don't know what's coming back, so. I think this this could be a really great warning for us. Like, hey, maybe we slow down and try to analyze things. But the demand is just so high, and the developers are so hot on making money that I don't I don't know. We we could walk ourselves into a trap here, and I hope we don't. Yeah, I really hope we don't. Um, We've got it pretty so good because of the way I'm sure you know all about how you know commercial real estate works and stuff, and the way the construction contracts work. I mean. Everything's just scheduled so far out. I mean, I'm sure these companies are designing plans and blueprints and jobs for 
2023-2024 and they've already got bids out for all their 2022-2021 work. Right. So nope. Yeah, we've got to keep going. You're exactly right. We've already identified the pipelines over the next two years. There's a whole lot of stuff coming. But all right, I just wanted to touch on that. That was quick. And we'll actually skip down. We'll do the one last real estate piece because that kind of matters. And this, this is something that gave me like a lot of hope because this pops up once every year or so and it gets me really excited. So they're calling it biolithic, biophilic, I guess, sorry, biophilic design apartment buildings. And what that means is that they're building these apartment buildings, like skyscraper level, huge buildings in big city centers. Uh, and they're just trying to cover them with as much greenery as possible to a couple different levels. Like one is that no one really wants to live in the cities anymore. Well, that's not true. That's a false statement. But fewer people want to live in cities, I think, than before because they're ugly. They're really ugly. Like even a beautiful skyline is still a gray skyline. It's not green. It's not pretty. There's no nature. So they want to be able to attract a different kind of person there by covering their apartment buildings with as much greenery and happiness as possible. Additionally, it cuts down on CO2. It's great. You can gen and I mean that our generation is so conscious of this kind of stuff. If you're faced with a normal old apartment building and one of these hot new ones, and maybe it's you know hundred dollars a month more, I I'd be hard pressed to not take the prettier one. Like I think I could justify that cost. I love it. Um, I've loved these designs for a while now. I'm pretty sure um, some of the Asian countries have done this for a little bit now. I I can't remember if it's Singapore. Uh, maybe South Korea. You actually hit it on the dot. It's Singapore. With, yeah, I'm, it's probably Singapore. And um, I, I just love the whole design around it. And I've even seen plans for additional uh, projects, not just apartment buildings, putting greenery on top. I know the Oakland A's new baseball stadium is shaped kind of like a, uh, a breast cancer awareness ribbon. <laughs> and it's going to have greenery all the way around the exterior of it. And then um, I also caught a glimpse of the Rams and Chargers new home stadium, SoFi Stadium. It's greenery all the way up, completely open air in the whole entrance. You're not walking through a gate uh, surrounded by cement. It's it's like grass and trees all the way up right into the stadium. It's, I mean, it's I love to see it because it's unique. It's new. It's and, pretty. Uh, it's beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's better to look at, I think. I'm glad that you could jungle. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad you could plug the sports thing because I didn't know about any of that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it's, it gives me like a lot of hope for the next 10 years or so. And everyone's so doom and gloom. And if you ask, I'm like, no, I mean, have you seen all the stuff that's coming out? What if you can walk through your city and look around and be like, oh my God, like concrete jungle doesn't do it justice. It's actually a jungle. It's gorgeous. Fresh air everywhere. Those plants are sucking all the pollutants out from all the cars going by. And I don't know. I have really high hopes. I think it's awesome. So my concerns were that property management is going to become like the new hot sector because imagine how much upkeep you have to do for this kind of stuff. Like if you've gone, if you actually pay attention, there's a lot of work that goes into apartment complexes, a ton. And now you have to have a whole new set of people with a different skill set that are specifically dedicated to trimming these things, keeping them healthy, uh, pest control, et cetera. I, we got to start paying property management people more at some point. Cause I mean, it's not like a super high earning industry, but, and it's not super glamorous either coming from a real estate guy, but I think that industry is going to change as a result of this and become so much better. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I hadn't even considered the upkeep that's going to come with this. Tons. Um, Oof. Once upon a time, I would have said this is awesome. It's going to create more jobs, but we can't even fill the jobs we have right now. So I also think that'll change. Either way, I only mentioned that. That's a big thing in Britain right now. And so it's, I'm glad you mentioned Singapore. The article was from a guy who had moved from Singapore to Britain and was uh, he was interested in these buildings he was going to move in. So either way... That was a good plug on your part.
Okay. We'll move on. We'll hit commodities and we'll finish up. Uh, I don't, we haven't run long yet. Okay. Things are looking good. So first one I want to do is uh, all the way down in my home state of Florida in Fort Lauderdale. There was a great story that came out. I don't know if it was a great story, but so drive through lines, I'm sure you've been through a Chick-fil-A drive through recently and they're just horrible. Like the lines are absolutely insanely long. And most of the time you look at it and you're like, okay, I'm a rational person. I'm just not going to wait in that. There's other options. Apparently that's not what happens down in Fort Lauderdale because there's been three, it's been like five recorded crashes in the past few months just from long literally from long drive-through lines that are so piled up that people aren't paying attention to hit each other. It, it's ridiculous. Like I'm like Chick-fil-A is great, but it's not that good. It's not worth waiting in a 2-hour line. Yeah, I choose to avoid Chick-fil-A now um just because of the drive-through lines. It's oh, it's horrible. really difficult to even get into one because it loops around the building two times. Yep. And it, it it's insane. It's almost like you're trying to park your car at Disney World and you got people pointing you in different directions and you're going left and right and it's like your third time around the building and now you got someone throwing sauce at you and I'm like, who do I give my order to? Who's taking my card? Where, where, what is going on here? And I will admit they've optimized efficiency, but it is still just not worth 30 minutes, I don't think. It gets me wondering, because I know we're having supply chain shortage everywhere, and it's something I don't think enough people are talking about. Like, we have a really, really bad logistics and supply chain problem in the world, the whole world right now, which I think we're going to fix because I'm an optimist. But either way, this is me thinking, like, have we cut down on, like, uh, organic, healthy materials so much that we've had to use these, like, super uh, sugar-packed, like, addictive, horrible stuff in the fast food that it's becoming such a problem that we're literally losing our self-control, like, Maybe we should reopen that conversation. I don't think we should, but it, that, that was my main concern. <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely think fast food is making a return. I've even seen McDonald's lines up here in uh, Western PA getting a little a little bit crazy. But um, just touching on the supply chain too, I went to uh, Sheets the other day, which is like, um, I'm not sure, do you guys have Wawa down there or uh, like a gas station that sells made-to-order food? Yeah, like a half gas station, half deli. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's like, it's really good though. I'm telling you, Sheets is where it's at. If you're ever in the Northeast, go to Sheets, but it's not healthy. Um, <laughs> but they had a sign that said, supply chain shortages are real. Sorry, we're missing some of your favorite food. Mm -hmm. We have great or a ton of other great options. And it's like, and they are missing them all. They're, they're missing uh, the mac and cheese bites, which is just deep fried mac and cheese. Um, oh, they're missing uh, a ton of other things, jalapeno poppers, mozzarella sticks. Um, and that's just what I can think of off the top of my head. So I'm glad that you're really feeling the pain over there. I mean, <laughs> that stuff is not very good for you, but either way, beside the point, I think, I think this comes at like the worst time possible because with everything, with everything kind of reopening, we've gotten used to like the drive through and delivery world where everything's faster over the past year or so. So it's like a perfect storm of one supply chain issues to everyone prefers to drive through or eat out. Now they're not sitting in the restaurant as much because that takes more time. So it's all kind of coming together at this point. I know I miss it. I, I want to go to a restaurant so bad, but no one will ever go with me because my parents are either going out with my aunt and uncle or doing other things because they've kind of cut the kids out of their life now. And I'm kidding. They haven't cut us out of their life, but I just don't get the invite to dinner every Friday and Saturday like I used to. And my friends are spread out across God's green earth. And my girlfriend is entrenched in law school and I cannot pry her away to go sit down at a table for an hour and a half and have dinner. So I love going to restaurants. Just, I actually, it's like, my love favorite. It. Yep. There's, there's nothing, nothing better. better. 
than eating a meal with other people and talking with them instead of staring at your phone or a TV. I'll, I'll do you one even better. I love sitting at a bar. Like even if you, you don't have to be drinking alcohol or do anything, just like sitting at a bar and being able to look down across it with all people you know and like having your meal there with maybe TVs in front of you and a far bartender. I think that is an awesome experience. I love that. Like the pub experience. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I, there's nothing better than sharing a meal or just being in, a, in the same space as people, especially after the last year and a half of isolation. I mean, I just want to talk to someone and, and go out and have a meal, but... We'll just it move is, down to Florida. It's hard to find people who can <laughs> give up the time. Right. All right. Let's move on. We got one more and then we're going to finish up. Uh, so apparently the UK, and th this is reminiscent of a few years ago when we had a hurricane, something like this kind of happened. They had a fuel, quotation marks, shortage, which apparently isn't actually a shortage. It's just caused by, you know, they left the European Union, the whole Brexit thing. And I guess that had something to do with they lost a lot of their labor from that they got from the EU. They lost a lot of like drivers. People were delivering Petroleum is what they what we call gasoline over there, but um, so people just stuff isn't getting delivered, and so you know the UK government prime minister came up and they're like, look, we don't actually have a shortage. You guys have literally created this. It things are just taking longer to get there. Everyone take a deep breath and relax. And I thought this was great as a joke. People were posting pictures of the toilet paper that they'd stocked up, and they're like, I'm ready because the next thing they're coming for is my toilet paper, and that's all I could think of last year as everyone went nuts with the toilet paper thing. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, people just panic and buy shit. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, whenever everything happened last year and everyone flocked to the supermarkets to buy the shelves out of toilet paper, it made zero <laughs> sense to me. I remember that. Because <laughs> if we just bought toilet paper, like we have bought toilet paper for our entire life, it never would have ran out. Well, it was funny because <laughs> somebody was like, wait a minute, like there was never actually an announcement. Somebody just saw somebody else doing it and was like, oh, it's the way to do it. And uh, it, it reminded me of the tulip story, which uh, we can do the tulip story on Wednesday. We haven't done that in a while, but I mean, it's the same exact thing. Panic, panic buying huh. or panic yeah. selling. Oh, Most well. of the time, I feel like shortages are caused by people just panicking. Absolutely. All right. I, that's going to wrap up all of our big topics. You have quotes or anything you want to go through? Yeah, sure. I'll give a quick Steve Jobs one. It, uh, it's a really great one. Here it is. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them by looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever you believe in. This approach has never let me down, and it has made all the difference in my life. Wise words from a man who didn't wear shoes. <laughs> exactly. He is a genius. Maybe I'll stop wearing shoes. <laughs> yeah, it might make you smarter. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think that wraps us up. Uh, if you have anything you want to send us, feel free at submissions.feelgoodfinance at gmail.com. Follow either of us on Twitter and send us ridiculous stuff or hate mail, whatever you'd like. We're open to anything. Uh, either way, otherwise, we're going to see you on Thursday, a little bit earlier this week. Uh, so there's your treat. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yep.